Welcome to the Unconventional Dyad Podcast, where psychology and psychoanalysis meet social justice, feminism, politics, climate change, critical theory, graduate student mental health, and the arts. Your hosts are Carly and Laura, two graduate students and friends committed to bridging the gap between the field of psychology, social issues, and society. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Unconventional Dyad podcast. Carly and I are here today to discuss um, internship. We're going to continue our mini-series on the pre-doctoral internship process, and we are currently both uh, in the middle of internship interviews, so we wanted to talk a little bit about how those are going and maybe give you all a few tips um, that we've learned along the way. We might want to throw this out there, too, for people who are not going through this process or who won't go through this process. This episode might not be all that helpful, Um, so you might just want to wait for the next one to come up. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about internship, however, feel free to continue listening. Yeah. Where do you want to start um, with this episode, Carly? I thought that we could start about where we left off in the last episode. So we were talking about interviews and that's where we both are currently. So maybe we can jump right into our experiences with with interviews. Absolutely. I thought that we could start the episode by talking a bit about what's needed during this process, specifically during interviews and leading up to interviews. What I have found quite helpful is a sense of community and finding a group or some type of support to help through this process. It can be very anxiety-provoking waiting for interview notifications to come in. I know I, for example, had to wait a lot longer than a lot of other people Mm -hmm. to get interviews. And I know that for me, that was particularly anxiety-provoking waiting when everyone else was getting uh, notifications for interviews. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point. What kind of communities have you found, Carly, that have been helpful for you during this time? Mm -hmm. I've certainly utilized friend groups and my my cohort, you and I, um, Mm -hmm. are certainly in a group together where we talk back and forth and provide support and uh, we can reach out whenever we need to. I've also used supervision a lot Mm -hmm. and I've asked for support from my supervisors. I've talked quite a bit about this process with my supervisors and I've noticed that they actually really enjoy talking about this process so it's been really really nice to be able to talk about their experiences and what worked what didn't work so that that's been really helpful for me what about you yeah, I've actually talked about it during supervision as well. And obviously, you and I text back and forth. We call each other and check in. Um, we've done that with a few other uh, individuals from our school as well who are going through the process. But yeah, talking to supervisors, I agree. That's a really great piece of advice. Uh, I've found that some of my supervisors are want to ask us about how we're doing with internship stuff. And they don't really necessarily know if they should ask or if they should check in with us about it. Um, so every time I've brought it up, they've been so happy to just hear how I'm doing and what I'm kind of going through. I will say too, I know you and I have also been um, using the student doctor network just to kind of read what other people are posting. So listeners, if you're not familiar with that, it's just a website um, for actually a lot of different uh, health 
um, professions, but there is a forum on the Student Doctor Network uh, specifically geared towards individuals in psychology, individuals who are getting their doctorates in psychology too. And there's a forum on there about internship interviews and notifications. And um, I, I know I've been going on there just kind of checking to see what other people are posting about. And it gives you a sense of community too, even though you're not necessarily communicating with people you know personally. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I think that it might be of benefit to really know who you are as a person and if that type of environment would create more anxiety. Yeah. I know for, for me, I actually, I found it quite helpful to know that other people are experiencing maybe something similar that I'm experiencing. And though I didn't necessarily interact with people on the forum all that much, yeah. I did find it helpful to know that, you know, people are going through this process with me and, um, you know, knowing when notifications were getting sent out, though we can talk about this later in the episode, that's not always a good indicator of whether you got an interview or not, but I found the forum to be quite helpful. I did as well. And actually what I really appreciated about the forum specifically was people were very honest about getting rejections as well. So when I got rejections from sites, I didn't feel as alone as I probably would have felt without that forum. Mm -hmm. Speaking about rejections, I think that that process in general can be really jarring. For me, I noticed myself getting a lot of rejections rejections up front. And I knew that that could potentially happen. I've actually heard other people getting a lot of rejections first, but I did find it a bit jarring. And it did make me pretty insecure that and and quite scared that I wasn't going to get a whole lot of interviews. So for me, a lot of my rejections came up front. I know, Laura, you had just the opposite where you've gotten your rejections last. So maybe you can speak to a little bit about your process and what that was like getting a whole bunch of interviews right up front and then getting some rejections towards the end. Definitely. Yeah, it was very weird because I started getting interview invitations before most people in our cohort had heard back from any sites. I got some in very early November, actually. Um, And yeah, it was, I felt like I was on a high, honestly, in the beginning, you know, it was great to get all these invites and I felt great. And I was kind of hoping that the momentum would continue until the very end. I ended up applying to 15 sites, but I got five rejections, one after the other, right at the end. Um, So the last, pretty much the last five that I was waiting on um, rejected me. So in a way, it was a little bit of a relief because I already felt, okay, 10 interviews, I have more than enough to choose from and work with. And my top sites, the ones I really wanted to get interviews at, I ended up getting interviews with. So I felt very grateful, but it it did feel like a little bit of a downer to have that be the note that I was ending on. Mm. All right. So maybe we can jump into how to prepare for the interviews. And as a full disclaimer, I think both of us are very different types of interviewees. And so what you're going to hear today is really our own experiences. And it might not work for everyone, but I think it might be worth sharing just the process that we went through and really what helped us get through the process. And and both of us are still going through the process. So it might yes. be a good, you know, something to maybe explore in the, in the episode. Absolutely. So we have a few things that we wanted to cover in terms of how to prepare for the interviews. I think for me, one of the one of the best things that has helped me is to think a little bit about the site as mm-hmm. as a whole. 
why is it that I applied to this site? What were some of the rotations that I found really interesting? What got me excited about the site? And ultimately reassess the fit. Um, you know, some of the sites that I interviewed at, they weren't very good fits, but I found areas in which I was a really good fit within those mm -hmm. sites. So that's where I focused my attention in terms of preparing for the interviews. That's a really good point. Yeah, I would say to review the brochures um, if you have a little bit of time before each interview, because there's so many different sites and you kind of forget. Sometimes the, the lines get a little bit blurry about which site had what. So I would just say, even if you want to print the brochure out and have it out next to you during the interview, that can also be really helpful. But I definitely agree. I think looking for areas where you are a good fit um, is a really good idea. And you want to highlight that during the interview. So make sure you know how you might fit into that site. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also important to really highlight the enthusiasm that you have for the site. There were a few sites that I didn't think were really good fits for me, but there were, again, areas that I thought would be really good for me. There were right. certain outpatient rotations that I found particularly exciting. And that's really where I focused my attention on the interviews. This is where I can really develop as a clinician. This is where I could maybe uh, focus my attention as an intern. So that's where I focused most of my energy in the interviews with these various interviewers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, again, highlighting that in your interview responses as well. So if you are excited about something, voice that, make it be known to the, the training directors or the people who are interviewing you, um, because you want to show them that you are excited about aspects of their site. And this was hard for me with sites that I kind of applied to as backups a little bit. Um, you know, when you're truly, maybe you've got your top five sites in mind, and you're truly enthusiastic about them, it's very easy to get that across in an interview. Interview, I think. But when it came to some of my backups, um, I really had to work hard and just, yeah, think about the, the little things that I was excited about. Maybe I wasn't crazy about the whole site, but there were things I could get excited about for sure. I had the same experience, Laura. There were a few sites where I applied as a backup because I was concerned because I was getting so many rejections <laughs> up front. I actually applied to three at the last minute and as I was interviewing with them, I, I was finding out through the interview, I'm like, this is just not the site for me. But I really mm -hmm. had to dig deep and find areas that I could speak to and mm -hmm. find areas of their, their curriculum and their internship program in general that I could really see myself, like, try really hard to, <laughs> to make it fit within the interview. And, and that was hard. But I think it is doable. If you have a good enough understanding of the site, if you did your research about the site, you can always find something to talk about, some type of connection, some type of shared interest that you totally. have for the site. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think too, like you applied there for a reason, right? Like, yes, it was a backup, but you did choose that as a backup over other potential backups. So try to remember what drew you to that site in the first place. And I will say too, prior to interviews, what I found really, really helpful is to speak my responses to potential interview questions out loud to myself. So when I went in the shower, when I was doing dishes or, you know, going about my day, I would just talk to myself like out loud. Um, and that's how I practiced for my interviews. Um, I think another way to do that is to maybe have a friend that you can kind of role play with a little bit. I didn't do that. I, I get very nervous even in role plays. So it was helpful for me to just do it on my own and kind of talk out loud. But I will say talking out loud, I think is crucial because 
I, I'm sure this is something you can relate to as well, Carly, and especially doing a podcast, sometimes when we have ideas in our heads and we try to verbalize them, they don't necessarily come out exactly the way we plan them out in our heads. So I think a really good way to practice and prepare for interviews is to just talk out loud. And you can find a list of questions or ask your training director at your school for a list of questions of potential things you might be asked on these interviews. That is such a good point. I I had answers prepared to several questions and something about me, and I know that we've talked about this on the podcast before, I do have a learning disability and I have a really, really bad memory. And so I, though I prepared those questions, I really had to just get comfortable speaking out loud, mm-hmm. regardless of what I had originally had as my answer for those questions. Yeah. So I just really had to get comfortable speaking out loud, speaking my ideas out loud, and just having something prepared in my mind that I could kind of display to them. So yes, talking out loud, I think is really important. I know Laura and I, you you, you and I have talked about some of the answers, but we didn't really speak them out loud. Right. So it might be important to, to, to do that um, because I think there is a huge difference between what's in your mind and actually speaking it. Definitely. We were in a unique situation where all of our interviews were virtual. I know that that is a new thing. I know some people have done interviews virtually in the past, but all of my interviews are virtual and Laura, I think all of yours are too. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I would recommend making sure that you have good internet and that you have contact information for the people with with whom you're going to interview. Um, I have had to do some interviews over the phone because Mm -hmm. Zoom or WebEx, whatever it was, wasn't working. And so I had several times where I had to actually make a phone call or someone had to call me. So I would just make sure that you have the contact information to all of the people that you're going to be interviewing with to ensure that they can contact you or that you can contact them if you have any problems. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes training directors will ask you for your phone number, or I think they should have it in your application anyway, but they will make an effort to ask you for your phone number prior to interview day, because that actually happened to me as well. One of my interviews, my very first interview of the morning, uh, the individual who's supposed to get on Zoom and open up the Zoom room for us to, to talk was unable to. And so we actually lost 15 minutes of my 30 minute time with her. And so she just ended up calling me and apologizing and saying, I'm really sorry. You know, I don't know what happened. I can't get in myself. Um, but we talked for 15 minutes and luckily she had my phone number. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's really good advice. And <laughs> on that note, I want to mention something about pets, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so that was Carly's cat for our listeners. Um, yeah. So I, during interviews, I actually took my dog to daycare. Um, I could have him upstairs in his kennel, but I think it's a really good idea to just have pets either, either, you know, drop them off at daycare or make sure maybe they're not noisy. My, my dog happens to be very noisy. Carly's animals sometimes are noisy. (laughs) So I would say since we are doing, you know, interviews at home, I would really encourage people to make sure their their pets or children or whoever else, significant others, they know what's going on um, and you don't have background noise, you know, distracting you in the middle of the interview. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've had a few different types of interviews in this process. And I thought it might be worth talking about each of them. 
Mm-hmm. I've had one-on-one interviews. I've had small group interviews. And then I also had an interview where I was speaking to a panel of mm-hmm. staff members. Yes. This, the most recent one that I had of the panel, I think I was speaking to seven or eight staff members. And what was really interesting, I think we were using WebEx mm-hmm. and I was in presenter view or speaker view, but unfortunately it wasn't switching to the speaker. So I was essentially speaking, I was speaking to the same person <laughs> the whole interview. <laughs> Despite it being a panel, I could only see one person and I, oh, couldn't, wow. I couldn't get it fixed. So be prepared to speak to a lot of people. Yes. And interestingly enough, the panel was not very interactive. Mm-hmm. So I would answer a question, nobody would say anything, and then the next person would ask a question. <laughs> it was incredibly uncomfortable because I first of all, I couldn't see anyone, so I had no idea how they were <laughs> how they were responding to me. But I would just really recommend getting comfortable speaking to a panel. And yes maybe being aware that you might not get a whole lot of feedback within the questions and within the answers. They're going down their list of questions, you're answering them, and just know that you're doing your best and that the answers are going to be what they are. And you might not get feedback kind of in situ. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, too, there are also different styles of interviewing, right? So I've had individuals, you know, who were really going by a script and they had a long list of questions that they just kind of shot at me and I I responded to it. Um, Other times I've gone into interviews where literally the interviewer just stared at me and I started talking and asking my own questions about the site. Um, And then I had interviews that were more conversational. So I would ask a question or they would ask a question. We would kind of have a conversation about the responses. Um, So just be prepared for anything and everything as well. Um, I personally find the rapid fire um, structured scripted interviews very, very difficult. They seem very impersonal to me, but I've had to get used to those. Um, And I actually enjoy, I love the conversational ones, but I actually also enjoy the ones where I'm doing most of the talking. That sounds a little bit narcissistic to say, but I think it gives me a chance to really ask questions and get a feel for who that person in front of me is. And I think that can tell you a lot about a site. Mm -hmm. Some of the questions that I found particularly difficult were ones that were very, very open-ended and not not with respect to clinical work or not with respect to really anything involving clinical or work with patients, but questions like, um, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Or I've had three different people ask me what the last book I read was. Oh, And so... Maybe just be aware that you're going to get a few questions that have nothing to do with clinical work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, I don't know if, if there's any right or wrong answers to these, but I do find those a bit interesting. And I'm always really curious what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I think I answered the superpower question. I actually got that asked twice. On Me one too. Interview. I did yes. too. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we were probably at the same site. Yes. Um, and I had no idea how to answer. I've never really thought of this question. So I just made something up. And I I don't know how much they actually got out of my answer. But yes. just be ready for those types of questions. We've also gotten, I forgot to mention this, we've also gotten some vignettes as well or little cases. And sometimes they'll give them to you. They'll email them to you way ahead of the interview and you'll or a day before the interview. And you'll get some time to kind of look over them. But I've also had interviews where I was presented a vignette in the moment and I kind of had to talk them through 
um, diagnostic impressions and treatment plans and things like that. Yeah, I got an, a vignette yesterday and I loved how they did it. Essentially, they gave me a vignette. Um, the, the vignette was you got some background information and then a dialogue between a therapist and a client. And essentially, mm-hmm. they're just like, okay, do whatever you want to do with this talk about the case and they gave no prompts. And so Mm -hmm. I just dug right in and was talking about the conceptualization of the patient. So be ready for really just something open like that, where they provide you with something and you just got to roll with it. That was, I found that particularly uh, uh, fun and engaging and you can just kind of tell that they, they wanted you to just talk about the patient and talk about how you might approach therapy with this individual. So that was really fun. Yeah, that's a perfect question for you, Carly. I could see you having a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I, I got a little deep in terms of uh, the theory, but I think they appreciated that. So that, it was it was really fun. Yeah. I also got a question. I, I, I was asked this a few times, and I don't know, maybe it's something that we can have a conversation about here, but questions like, how do you use multiculturalism within your work? And I find those questions to be really interesting because I, how I answer the question, I, I, I actually ask them, I go, how much time do I have to answer this mm-hmm. question? Because I think this is so multifaceted. Personally, I didn't take the approach of how would I work with a specific client. I took more of a societal approach to how we begin to be advocates for our patients and yeah. our clients. That's the approach that I took because I I don't know. I think there are so many different ways that you can integrate and incorporate multiculturalism, which I think is such an interesting word anyways. But I like that a lot, Carly. I, I tried to do a little bit of that myself. Um, I'm, I don't think I did a great job with it, but I also feel like that question is just such a large question and it's so multifaceted and you can't do it justice in a, you know, five to 10 minute response. Um, so yeah, I tried to approach it in, in a similar way from more of a societal and a social justice perspective, but I've also gotten questions that were, went along the lines of, you know, when did you work with a client who was very, very different from you, who had a completely different background from you? Um, and how did that kind of go? How did that therapeutic relationship unfold? Um, So I've had to think about specific cases as well as larger multicultural issues. Um, Yeah, some of the questions are just so broad and they kind of take me by surprise (laughs) very often. So those are tricky. I will say too, if you have questions for the interviewers, And you will most likely get at least a few minutes to ask the person who's interviewing you questions about the site. I would say definitely ask questions that you actually want answers to. Um, Don't just ask a random question because you feel like you should, right? So yes, you're expected to ask questions of the sites as well, but like really think prior to the interview about what kind of questions you want answered, what you're curious about. I've even asked interviewers about themselves. You know, I've asked them what has brought you to this site? You know, what's your history here like? What do you enjoy the most and the least? What do you find the most challenging? Just to get their perspective as employees at that site. Um, And yeah, I would say this is really your chance to get a good idea of what the site is like. So don't waste that time asking questions. A lot of times the the typical questions I've asked or I've heard even in like a group setting, like we we had a group of applicants asking questions of the training director, for example, and 
every site, you know, without fail, somebody asks, what are you looking for um, when you're, you know, in terms of an applicant or an intern at your site? Uh, so don't don't try to stay away from those, um, you know, kind of standard questions that everybody asks. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I for me, I would just not ask any questions if I didn't actually want to know the answers to them. Right. <laughs> I think that I mean I approach therapy that way too. But if I don't have any questions, I just I just said that I don't have any questions, and I think they actually appreciated that. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I certainly said, you know, I don't have any questions right now. I think they've all been answered, but would it be okay to reach out to you if I have questions in the future? And I think they really appreciated that. Yes, absolutely. That's a great approach. Another question that I came up with just on a whim, and I'm glad I did, I asked the training director, the the, the head of the um, the site that I was applying to, I asked what what he sees as the biggest area of growth for the internship site. And I, it felt a little bit weird asking that because that's legitimately how the exact question they asked me, Mm -hmm. but I think it, it allows, it allows them to have a chance to be reflective and to speak to maybe some areas that they are noticing that they need to change or they need to modify. And I think it gives you a really good perspective of, of how they, how they approach difficult questions, how they approach some, some type of contradiction. Mm-hmm. And so I, I found that to be a really rejuvenating experience, actually, kind of seeing this individual share where he wants the center to go and where he wants to see the internship site go. And he was very honest, and I very much appreciated that. That's wonderful. That's a great question. Okay, we have a few more things we wanted to cover And I thought that we could spend just a little bit of time talking about just issues we've run into. Yep. Um, We talked already about the internet issue and I would make, try your best to get good internet. I, there was one, there was a few individuals actually who had really, really bad internet on Mm -hmm. their end, the the interviewers, Mm -hmm. and it was really hard to hear what they were saying. One actually was reading me a clinical vignette, reading it to me, and I couldn't understand what she was saying. And so I was trying to piece together this clinical vignette and come up with some type of conceptualization, only getting about one third or one fourth of what she was saying. Wow. So as an interviewee, it's I would imagine it's the same same thing, making yes. sure that they can understand you, that you're clear, that they can hear you. Um, gosh, it's so hard to evaluate when you evaluate them or them to evaluate us when we can't hear or see what, uh, see the other person. Absolutely. Wow. That must've been so anxiety inducing. I actually said in the, in the interview, I go, I go, I'm having a really hard time hearing you, but this is what I heard. And I listed off just very right. few things that I heard and they ended up not repeating the vignette. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would also say too, um, if you have headphones, consider wearing them. I've found just even in group settings, talking to other applicants and multiple people, you know, a lot of times they'll have at the beginning of the interview day, just kind of a group get together where they go over program, um, just the program overview. Um, And I notice sometimes when people aren't wearing headphones, there's a lot of echoes in the background or their voice isn't as clear. Um, 
so I personally started wearing headphones. Um, I never used to over Zoom for classes or anything like that, but I, I decided I did a test run with um, an administrative um, assistant at one of the sites. And she told me, oh, I, you know, do you have any headphones? Because I can kind of hear myself um, when I'm speaking to you. And so I, I did purchase headphones and have been wearing those for interviews. Yeah, I certainly use headphones. I use headphones with patients and clients too. And I notice that the quality is just a little bit better and yeah. there's no echoes and it just eliminates any issues that you could potentially have in terms of yes. audio quality. Absolutely. I think another thing that is really important, I wouldn't necessarily call this an issue, but maybe something to think about is how honest and how... I don't want to say authentic, but mm-hmm. how, who you want to bring to the interviews. I think for me, I did a little bit of assessing um, prior to the interviews about what type of site I'm applying to and, and interviewing at. But I, there was one site in particular that I, one of the things that I really wanted to do during the interview is to be myself and to be mm-hmm. authentic because I knew that they would appreciate that. But I think it might be important to evaluate how honest you want to be in these sites. I mean, I I, I didn't leave anything behind in this most recent interview. And I, in fact, they gave a, an exit interview and that was something that they really appreciated for me was Mm -hmm. just the authentic, the authenticity and the honesty. So think about who you want to be in these interviews. I know it can be really scary being mm-hmm. very raw and bold, um, but for some sites it might pay off. Some others might not appreciate that. So think a little bit about who you want to be. And maybe I don't, <laughs> I, the idea of setting an intention seems a little bit weird, but set an intention for who, who you want to be during the interview yeah. and try no, to stick I, with it. I think that's very sound advice. Um Yeah. And I think sometimes you can kind of get a sense of how honest you can be with the person in front of you um, just based off of their energy or vibe or some of the questions that they're asking or some of the things they're sharing about themselves. I had one interviewer who just shared very openly about what brought her into the field of psychology. And she told a very personal story from her life. So obviously with her, I knew I could probably open up a little bit more if I was comfortable doing that. With other sites, for example, if they're going through an entire script of questions, they probably don't really want you to be open and you know talk, speak off the cuff a little bit more. Um, so I think you can also get a sense of how honest you can be Um, just based off of the interactions you're having. Another thing that came up during my interviews was my tendency to want to rush because I know that Mm -hmm. you're given a certain certain amount of time for these interviews and I find myself wanting to rush to get as much information out as possible and I really had to stop myself and think about why am I rushing why do I think it's important for them to know all this information? Mm-hmm. And I really, I really slow down. And if we run out of time, we run out of time. But yeah. I think it's really important to slow down, to take your time. Yep. I absolutely agree with that. I I noticed myself doing the same thing too, speaking very fast, um, you know, giving them a lot of information when maybe they didn't even ask for it. Um, so yeah, I, that's definitely something that I'm striving for as well as slowing down, not only in 
terms of how fast I speak, but also in terms of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we get to the very last part? I guess the only other thing I'll mention is if you're not sure how to answer a question, um, I think that's totally okay to let them know. I, I actually, I'm not sure how to answer that right now or to just take your time answering it or asking them, you know, can you give me a few seconds to just formulate a response in my mind? I hadn't thought about that before. I think it actually shows that you're very thoughtful in that, um, you're honest and transparent and it also shows a little bit of humility. You know, I don't think you're expected to know all the answers to every question that you could possibly be asked. So I think it's totally fine to slow down in that way as well. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing in my interviews, Laura. Mm -hmm. I, I do that quite a lot, actually, despite me talking on this podcast right now and just talking quite freely, I typically don't do that. And so it was really important for me to be able to take some time to reflect and think about what it is that I want to say. I consider myself a little bit more deliberate with what I choose to share with clients and with supervisors, et cetera. And so that was really important for me to be like, can I I have a few minutes? I would really Mm -hmm. like to... I would really like to come up with an answer that you might find satisfying or that that really illustrates who I am as a clinician. So yeah. it was important for me to really slow down and come up with a an answer that best reflects who I am and yeah. rather than ultimately what they want to hear, which is sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to answer right. in such a way that satisfies them. But I think there are times when we want to maybe be a little bit more authentic and reflective in how we respond. Yes, absolutely. So Laura and I wanted to end the episode with one piece of advice that we have. And though I talked about this briefly already, I think it's worth reiterating. I think it's really important to know the type of site that you are applying to. If applicable, be yourself and be authentic. I think that some sites really appreciate that. Um. I was given an exit interview at one of my sites, which I already mentioned, and one of the one of the things that they really noticed in me was my willingness to be authentic, to be raw, share things that were at the time pretty shameful. I, I talked about an enactment that had happened in mm. a case that I was working with, and I told them, I go, I'm, I'm still really trying to figure out what this was. It was actually a really recent situation with a client. And wow. I was able to share with them my experience and how I utilize supervision to, to help me with this particular enactment. And so I think some sites very much appreciate that. But it's also important to know what types of sites you're applying to, if they will appreciate that. So mm-hmm. take a little bit of time and and think about, again, who you want to be for each site. And I know it's 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 crazy to think you have to be someone different for each one, but I think it is true. I think sites are looking for different types of people, unfortunately. And so think about who you want to be, you know, how authentic you want to be, how honest you want to be, and, and kind of stick to that, stick to that through the, through the interview. Yeah, kind of related to what you were saying, Carly, and I think your advice is really, really great. I do think sometimes we have to um, present a certain part of ourselves 
uh, fortunately or unfortunately, right? So I totally agree with that. I also think that you do want to be pretty honest to a certain extent. Um, You want the sites to get a pretty honest look at who you are because you want to end up at a site that will truly be a good fit for you for internship year. Um, So maybe things like your values, you want to stay true to and you want to uh, communicate those to the site. So I would say being honest in that sense is going to be pretty important. Um, Obviously, you don't want to go overboard and disclose way more than you need to. And you also want to, like Carly said, you want to present a part of yourself that makes sense for that site. Um, But yeah, I I do think it's very important that um, you are authentic to a certain extent. You want that site to be a good fit for you. You want to enjoy your internship year. You don't want to present a false sense or a false version of who you are and then end up at a site that is not a good fit for you. Um, I would also say too, this is kind of a a part two to my one piece of advice that I have. So I hope that's okay. I would say to trust your intuition as well. I think we can learn a lot from our intuition and from just what we're feeling in the moment. Um, I know there were sites that I was really excited about. There's one site that's my number one right now in my mind. And my intuition told me that this is a really great site for me. Um, I kind of went off of the energy and the vibes I was getting as much as I could get over a virtual interview. But I knew that site is a really great site for me. And then I had experiences where the sites, um, maybe one of the sites I was interviewing at wasn't as great of a fit. And I felt that, you know, and I think it's good to tap into that feeling. Don't discount it just because it's a feeling. Um, Really trust your intuition because I think that can give you a lot of information about a site. So that is all we have for now. I think we will maybe do one or two more of these as our you know, decisions are being made and uh, maybe we can do one about the match. Yes. So yeah. So stay tuned for our next mini series episode. Absolutely. And if you like what you're hearing, as always, please subscribe, rate and review us. Um, If you would like to give us some feedback, maybe send us a message. We would love to hear from you and thank you for joining us on another episode. Oh, mm-hmm.